Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of the Boiling Point Podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. All right, welcome back, everyone. We have another exciting episode of The Boiling Point. Emily, what's new with you? Oh my gosh, what's new with me? Uh, ramping up trail running again, kind of the changing of the seasons now that it finally feels like summer, starting to, uh, yeah, put more miles um, on the trails, both with running and cycling and uh, fishing lots as per usual, and just staying out and staying active. What about you? What's this? Uh, what does this time of year bring for you for activities? Oh, good question. Well, we just, it's the change of seasons and we shouldn't, we're not supposed to timestamp these, but, but uh, it, it's, I just love this part. I don't know. I coming out of a cold winter, in New Brunswick, or like, or sometimes feels like a long winter. It's just so nice. So I don't know. It feels like everything's possible. It's just kind of in terms of activities. Uh, yeah. I get out and run a little more, which is nice, not to the level you do. And uh, yeah. And the sun's out and it's warmer. Everyone just seems happier. I don't know. It's it funny how that sense. is. Oh, it does. It makes such a difference, even like on, on this past Saturday and Sunday where it was so nice. And I ran in the morning with a group and then came home in the afternoon and it was just too nice. So I hopped on my bike. I mean, my legs were like shot, but I'm like, I can't not be outside doing something. <laughs> my body feels it today, but <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. It's, it's motivating to see people out and see people doing stuff. So Actually, we talk about sports stuff. We got the perfect guest. So it's kind of a, a, a subtle segue in um, David Scott, who's going to put his his uh, camera on in a second. And I think he's okay with us calling him Scotty. And he'll tell me in a second here. We're just waiting for your video, Scotty. There he is. Hello. Welcome to the Boiling Point. <laughs> Top of the afternoon to you all. <laughs> So are we good calling you, Scotty? I've asked you that before, but that was uh, just you and I talking together. Because you you were introduced to me as Scotty. Your name is David Scott. I'll go by whatever. What what what's Is Scotty good with you? Scotty is perfect. I think, you know, one of the things in sport is we love nicknames. And unfortunately, I think nicknames are becoming less and less original. The nickname now is you just stick a Y on the end. So being involved in sport, I've been called Scotty, I think, my whole life, even by my students here at the university. So Scotty is perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And it's funny, you're right about the nicknames, eh? And particularly in hockey, like they're just... It's just a out of why, you know, Davy, you know, Valesy, <laughs> you know, all these things, right? And we've been talking a lot about sports and and stuff in previous podcasts, and we can uh, we can dive in there. But I, what Emily, what I want to tell you is, I got an introduction by a good friend, Ken Dobson, and he introduced me to Scotty and said, "You got you got to come listen to him speak." And you got and I, I couldn't make it for whatever reason. We got on the call, and I, I I typically do like these half hour calls 
well, I think we were an hour into it. And I was like, yeah, I got other calls I got to go, I got to go to, but it just pulled me right in. And so we've been trying to find some ways to collaborate and, um, and such a fascinating backstory. So I'd love to introduce you to, to, uh, to Scotty, Emily, uh, and Scotty meet Emily. Wonderful to meet you. It is just great to meet you too. We got a huge bio here, but how would you best describe who you are and what you do? I don't think I do anything particularly special. I mean, who am I? I mean, the first thing is I'm I'm like a lot of people. I think I'm a husband, a dad. That's always the most important thing. Family is, is, is everything. And, uh, and I work here at the University of New Brunswick. And uh, I teach uh, uh, sports psychology here. And then I do a, a bit of consulting with different teams all around the world. And my job really is is pretty simple. My job is when I work with a, an, an NHL team or, or whatever, my job is simple. My job is to help us put the puck in the net at one end and keep the puck out of the net at the other end. That's what my job is. And I do a specific little part. I look after the six inches of ice between your two ears. That's my little part of the puzzle. It's no more important than any other part, but it's a part. And in sport, um, as I say, what happens up here, I think is pretty important. Mm. Emily's an athlete, still out there competing, but you know that whole idea of the, be- the biggest battles we fight are between our two ears. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, I always think of how we can all have the same training plan. We can all do the same work. We can do the same intervals, all that kind of stuff, but that it, yeah, when push comes to shove of what is going to separate, you all have that same training. You're all doing the same nutrition. You're all getting the same sleep, the same rest of what happens between here. Absolutely. And that's the part that fascinates me the most because it applies to not only just sport, but then everything. Yeah. How did you how did you get into this work? Like the, the work the work outside of the university, you know, the work with athletes. Oh, well, it, it really started, I guess. You know, I, I, I worked um when I came to the University of New Brunswick, I came here in 1997. And uh they had a very good hockey team. The, the men's hockey team had lost in the final of the CIS the year before. And Mike Kelly, who was the coach at that time, who's gone on to great things and uh, in the NHL, he asked me if I could help a little bit. And so that's how I got started with sport. But I really took off. Um, I worked with the team. And then in June 1998, I can still remember this day as if it was yesterday, 4.30 on the Friday afternoon, and my phone rings in my office. And, you know, I was walking out. and being, But being the good person that I am, I answered the phone. And it was Roger Nielsen, who was the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers at that time. He was on the phone. And he called because he had a very big, the preeminent coaching seminar in hockey he held every year in Windsor, Ontario. And it was the following weekend. And he had called to see if I could come and speak because um, the sports side person he had lined up couldn't come. And a young fellow who was in my class at UMB worked with Roger at his hockey schools in Lindsay, Ontario. And this young fellow said, hey, I know a guy. He's a pretty good talker. He does the sports psych thing. He can probably come. And so Roger called me to see if I could come the following weekend to fill in. 
And that was that. I went and I spoke at it and I spoke many years at there. I went to Philadelphia after that, worked there in Philly. And, and uh, that's how an Irishman ends up in hockey. It's the luck of the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you a hockey fan, Emily? I wouldn't say a fan. I like I follow it a little bit. So Roger Nielsen, just to give you uh, my, you know, he was he he started using video very early on. Like he was known for that, and he coached in Vancouver and all these places. And he was, he's, he's I don't know if he, he, I'm guessing he's probably in the Hall of Fame. Yes. And he unfortunately died, I think, of cancer at young age, uh, which was really sad. But he was he was pretty like, so the fact that like, that was your entry point, like that's pretty significant in the, in that world, right? Like he's a well-known and still yeah. well-known. Well known yes. And, and uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And Roger was so innovative and back, you know, in the, back then there wasn't a lot of teams that had a mental skills person. And then I did that, but I didn't stay there. Like what I mean is I started there and then I went and I think I, I earned my stripes. I kind of did it backwards. So then I, I worked in Melville with the Melville Millionaires in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. I worked on Moose Jaw. I worked in Kamloops. I worked with a team in Long Beach, California, Corpus Christi, Texas, bussing it around Texas and the, and the league down there. And so, you know, I, I, I think I... I mean, yeah, I was working in Philadelphia, but I think I, I went back and I needed to go back and learn about hockey and learn culture about hockey and learn about the people who play the game and coach the game and work in the game and cheer on and support and so on. So I, I think that stood me in pretty good stead. And are you still with the Montreal Canadiens? Yes, I was, this is now my 14th year in Montreal. So I work with the Montreal Canadiens and uh, I work with them and I work with our, um, our American Hockey League team, our development team in Laval. So I work with them and then uh, we're gearing up now for um, uh, for the draft. And so I do, I, I'm involved in, in small ways. I mean, please, I don't want you to think for one minute that all this centers on me. I, I do the, some of the interviews for the draft. So I'll be going to Buffalo to the Combine. And then the draft is in Nashville. And so I, I, I do things like that. And then I work with a few other teams. I, I work in Brunswick with the Moncton Wildcats in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I, uh, I work with the Hamilton Bulldogs in the Ontario Hockey League. I work with Dauphin in the Manitoba Hockey League. And I just come back there on... Uh, about three days ago from working with the Italian Olympic team, where one of my old coaches, Mike Keenan, Mike Keenan, who I worked with in Florida many years ago, is now coaching the Italian Olympic team because the next Winter Olympics, as you know, in 2026 are in Italy. And so we're going to try to uh, have, a, have a good hockey team. So I was over working with them for a few days. So I spend a lot of time in hockey, which is not bad for a guy who comes from rural Ireland. <laughs> and never saw ice <laughs> except in an alcoholic beverage, but I we're not going to go there. <laughs> Iron Mike Keenan. Oh my goodness. That's wild. But you, but you're, and you're in other sports as well. Like I think we talked about cricket supporting a national team and, and uh, like you, so you have, you know, multiple sports where you, you'd help folks. Yeah. You know, I'm really pleased you asked that. I mean, people say, well, why come, how come I'm so much in hockey? Well, I'm in hockey because I'm in Canada. To tell you, <laughs> good point. No, no, like, because I mean, 
We have a hockey team back in Belfast in, in Northern Ireland where I come from now, but we didn't have hockey. We didn't have a rink when I was growing up. So I grew up playing cricket and rugby and, and, and football, as we called it, soccer back then. And uh, I mean, and I still enjoy those sports very much. I work with the Bermuda cricket team right now and for many for a number of years I worked with the West Indies cricket team and cricket right but cricket's not so big here and uh, hockey is the game but the thing that's really important about all of this is that the mental skills are pretty much generic across all the sports and I, I spend a fair bit of time working with businesses because those mental skills are very, very similar as well. Like people in business have bad days, things are not going well. And people in sport have bad days when things are going well. Or people in business are have very talented people, but those people can't come to meetings on time or they can't, uh, uh, they, they don't buy into what's happening. Uh, and it's the same thing in sport, like very talented players, but they don't train. Uh, when the going gets tough, they fold the tent and go home. And so there's lots of these things, I think, apply across life. And so, yeah, I work in sport, but I think what we're really looking at are life skills. Yeah. What do you think are some of those most important life skills? Oh, I, I, well, for me, I think there's a number of, you know, there's there's a number of foundational skills. So in sport, you know, we think, well, we need like to have success. You got to have excellence, and that's got to be excellence. Even if you're playing pickup hockey, compared to the other teams, if you're going to be successful, you need to be excellent compared to them. And you need to be excellent in a number of areas, things like physical, mental, technical. You got to have good off ice or off the field habits. You got to be a good teammate. So those are the pillars. But you see, those pillars they need to be built on something, right? So, so for me, the foundational mental skills are things like humility, right? So I think it's really important for people to be humble. That is, if you already know everything in business and you're an athlete and you already know everything, right? Well, you know, why do you need to listen to the coach? Why do you need to listen to your teammates? You already know everything. So for me, one of the main things is, is, is having being humble. Like I think character is more important than talent. And that gets me into trouble. Don't get me wrong. Talent is extremely important. But what good is talent if you don't turn up, right? <laughs> right, right. So the, the the example I give is hopefully this never happens to anybody. But let's say you have to have a heart transplant, right? You're getting a heart transplant, and you have a choice of two surgeons. You can have the greatest surgeon in the world. They are so talented, and they're going to do a marvelous job if they turn up. They're not always dependable. And if they don't turn up, you're dead. But if they do turn up, they're going to do a great job. As long as you, nobody's parked in their parking spot either, because if everything's not right, they're going to pout and they're going to sulk and things are going to go badly. Or you can pick person number B, the second surgeon. They're very good. They're not the greatest of all time, but they're very good, right? And they are completely dependable. Never miss. No matter what happens, they are there. They turn up and they get the job done. Now, which one are you going to pick? Talent or character? I bet you you're going to go for character, right? 
Yeah. So like, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's great when you get the Sidney Crosby's and the Conor McDavid's of this world where you have great talent and great character. Right. But I think for a lot of people, like it's like character, particularly humility is really important. So that's one thing. And can I give you a couple more? That, that I, think I would love people? it. I think in sport as in life, mental toughness is incredibly important. That is being resilient, having the ability to bounce back. So when you've lost a big contract or things aren't going well or you've lost a game or whatever, you know, mental toughness, the ability to keep going when things aren't going very well. But where does that mental toughness come from? Well, you see, here's the thing. You see, motivation comes and goes, right? So, like, let's take trail running, right? Let's go for a run on the trails. It's the middle of January, right? It's minus 35 degrees out there. Would you go for a run on the trail in your swimwear? No. <laughs> but for a million dollars, you would, right? Because now you're motivated. Now you're motivated. So when you're motivated, people do things. But the problem is motivation comes and goes, right? So when you go to see the dentist, right, you've got the toothache and you make an appointment to see the dentist. So you go in to see her and you see her at 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. How motivated do you think she is to see you? 4.30 on a Friday on a beautiful summer weekend. She has seen 200 people that week already, smelt their bad breath. It's now coming up on 4.30. She's hoping you don't come, right? I mean, she's not jumping up and down. She's not particularly motivated for you to come. But you don't have a thing to worry about. Because when you come, she's going to do a fantastic job. Why? Because she's got really good habits. And so for me, in sport as in life, even with my students here at the university, develop really good habits. So when you don't want to get out of bed or it's minus 25 outside and you go for a run every morning, you just can't help yourself. It's a habit, right? Up you get, out you go and you get it done. And so I think that's one of the things that's really important in sport, that is having really, really good habits. Right. And so the habits will carry you. And the third, and I've got lots of things, but the, the big three is process. Focus on the process. Right. The score will take care of itself. I say this to my students all the time. Don't worry about your grade. Please don't worry about your grade. You'll get one. I guarantee you'll get a grade of some description. Like when you go up in an airplane, one of the things you never have to worry about is landing. You're coming down. They won't leave you up there forever. You're <laughs> going to land. In other words, there will be a score. There will be an outcome. You will get a grade of some description. But if you want, you want the good grade, you want the grade that you like you you want that high grade? Well, that's different. Then you got to put the work in. See, there's a process then, right? You got to do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and the score takes care of itself. So, so many people in sport, so many students, so many people in life, they focus on the outcome and not the process. Put in the performance, you get the result. Simple as that. 
So those are the three things that we really try to focus on. How does it resonate with you, Emily? Yeah, I mean, that fully resonates. It's funny how even even the... Uh, even the example you used of uh, of the dentist. So before I became a full-time athlete in my previous kind of career, well, I was a dental hygienist. And so I definitely know that 4.30 Friday feeling. <laughs> like, but yeah, that all just resonates very, very, very strongly with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things that happens too in sport and it happens in life as well, when you focus on the result, or the outcome and not the process, certainly in sport, you're focusing on something that you don't have total control over, right? Like you don't have control over the outcome, not completely. And so therefore, you're focused on something you don't control. Not a bit wonder you get anxious before games. It's not a bit wonder you get stressed because you don't control everything. Why don't you focus on the things that you can control? Your effort, your attitude, your nutrition right? Like turning your phone off at night so you can get a good night's sleep. Do those things doesn't guarantee the outcome, but it gives a pretty good chance of getting the outcome that you want. So, so many people focus on the outcome and they forget the process part. Yeah. I always say when I was racing it, uh, and I got into sport at a, at a late age. I didn't start riding a bike until the age of 27 and then was racing at the elite level when I was 30. And I actually did some work with um, a colleague of yours, Dr. Ryan Hamilton. And, uh, you know, for me, it was like, I loved to train. I did not love racing. It was like racing was like an excuse or reason for me to train because everything for most part was like in my control when I was training. No, you're absolutely right. And But the thing I would say is even when you compete, right, you, you're still in control of your performance, right? Right? And, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, sometimes, as I say, when you focus on the actual result, what happens is, is things become a threat rather than a challenge, Right. So so let me give you a simple example. And uh, I'm going to make an announcement here today. This is going to go world, around the world here in a second. But I'm going to play professional hockey in the National Hockey League next season. Congratulations. No, thank you. I'm, I'm going to be the first 60 year old Irish rookie to play in the National <laughs> Hockey League. And, and I play on the left wing in my old-timers hockey team. And the reason that teams really like me is I do two things very, very well. I have never been on the ice for a goal against. So no team has ever scored while I've been on the ice, right? And the second thing I do is I keep my shift length very short, <laughs> about seven seconds. I go out one door along the boards and in the other door. Right. <laughs> and the reason I do that is I'm I really like my teammates. They're great. <laughs> and I don't want to let them down. Like I just don't want to screw up. And I'm a terrible player. And so if you don't want to make a mistake when you play hockey, what's the last thing you want when you're on the ice is the puck. Right. So I've never touched the puck. I've never turned the puck over in my life. Not once. So because I've never had it. But there is a chance by accident that you might get it. So that's why I keep my shift length really short, seven seconds. And so what I'm getting at is when you're so scared of the 
the result. You're threatened by making a mistake. You're threatened by the outcome. The sport that you love now becomes a threat rather than a challenge. And so people play hockey like me. They play so as to not screw up. So 2-1 hockey game, game seven, Stanley Cup final, third period, a minute to go. You're leading 2-1. Face off in your end. You lose this face off and the other team score, tie the game and go on and win the Stanley Cup. Your name is mud the rest of your life. And there are some players who go, I don't want out there. I, like, that's not for me. It's too threatening. Whereas the best athletes in the world are rolling their sleeves up and going, now bring that on. That's what I've trained for. That's everything I've done is leading to this moment. This is the opportunity and I've been waiting for. It. So seeing things as an opportunity rather than a threat, I think makes a big, big difference. I love that distinction. And it's so true about, I mean, I've experienced it myself, um, you know, at, at, at the level I played, which was, you know, not necessarily not the NHL, but, um, but just, you know, being, being, you know, nervous about screwing up and that that's the focus. And, and what it, what it got me thinking about as we're talking here today, Scott, I think we've talked about this previously, but what is it about now where there's suddenly a, seems to be a, a much better appreciation for the mental side of the game? Because when I was, uh, when I w- was younger, I don't really, I think there was some discussion, but you know, there was no mental coaches out there. And now it's, it's just a very accepted um, that, you know, yes, to work with, you know, whether golf, mixed martial arts, hockey, football, biking, you know, whatever, um, having a mental coach. Is there, are you noticing that? Like as a trend shifted, you think in the last little while? Well, I think it has shifted for a number of reasons. I think in terms of mental health, if I can make the distinction, say, between mental health and mental skills to facilitate performance. One of the things I think that happens in sport is we sometimes forget that sport isn't a law onto itself. Sport operates within society, right? So there is a reason why we don't have fights to the death, like, right? Because society will not allow that, right? And so in society, mental health has become a much, much bigger issue. And, and thank goodness, and rightly so. And sport sometimes become late to the party, but We are influenced by what's happening in society. And there have been some people who have stood up, come out and said, hey, I've had mental health issues, right? Doesn't make me a bad person. Doesn't make me a a weak person. Like I've had issues. And and so I think that, that, that that has really, really helped. So I think there's been a move um, towards seeing mental health as um, the, the serious issue that it is for a lot of people. In terms of mental skills, in most sports now, but let me just use the National Hockey League as an example, but I think this is true in university sports across the board. Regardless of what some irate or upset fans might say, every team in the National Hockey League is very well coached, extremely well coached, right? So coaching is a bit of a wash, really, right? It's not like a team's got a coach like me and another team's got Scotty Bowman. Like, they're all good coaches. Every team in the National Hockey League now is fit 
teams don't win games simply because, well, they're just so much fitter, right? Everybody's fit now, right? Uh, everybody eats healthy, right? So what separates these teams apart? They've all got great players. They've all got great coaches. They all eat healthy, wonderful facilities. They're all fit. Once again, there's a reason why we play the games. And it's, once again, six inches of ice between your two ears. How you deal with those things are, are extremely important, right? And I think there's been, I think people have always said like that, what was it? Well, I can't remember now. Was it Yogi Berra said that, that, uh, that uh, what was it? 50, half the half the game of baseball is mental or something, and the other 80% is, or something, no, 50% uh, physical and the other 80% is mental or some crazy little thing. People have always talked about how important mental skills, but mental skills were always have a positive thought and believe in yourself, and then away you go. They're fine, right? And there was no sort of skill teaching. So I think people like myself and people like Ryan would say, hey, we're mental skills people, right? We teach skills, right? And these are skills that need to be learned and developed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Emily, what was your, you know, your experience with, uh, with Ryan? Like what, how did that support you? Yeah. You know, it was interesting because I actually went to see him at a time when, yeah, I was racing at the elite level and I was doing really well, had just won worlds and I didn't know if I wanted it badly enough. And, um, and so it was this thing of feeling like I should want this more. And it's, Interesting. So I remember him saying to me, like, Emily, the position that you are in right now, which is why I think I was able to race so well was because I didn't see it as a threat. I think I saw it as an opportunity. And then I got that opportunity. And it's like, okay, now what? And I remember him saying to me of, of um, you know, how, how he's worked with athletes who would like 
cut off their finger at the knuckle in order to get where the level that I am at or was at. And then here I was thinking like, gosh, like, do I want to be here? Is this like really what I want? Um, so yeah, I think I maybe went to him for different reasons than maybe some people do. You must hear stuff like that, Scotty. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting, you know, like about what happens, you know, in, in your mind is you often wonder how, how come rookies do so well? Like, you know, somebody comes in, no pressure on them, and they perform great, right? And and one of the reasons for that is, well, they really don't worry about failure because there's no shame in failing because nobody expects them to do anything else, <laughs> right? And so they kind of give it a go. And But then what happens then is once you're a successful athlete, then this whole thing of expectation now arises and so i mean you're a, a world champion you're one of the top athletes in the world well you know we expect there's an expectation from yourself and from other people and of course the problem with expectations is expectations are really black and white like we expect you to win we expect you to perform well what the 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 word that they, the words that they don't say of course that go with that is we expect or else right like that's the right you we expect you to do well or else you're going to feel shame you're going to feel humility or sorry humil- you're going to be uh, humiliated you're, you're going to feel embarrassed your family's going to be let down right and people are going oh my gosh and that's where things get heavy and I think that's where people lose the love of the sport, you know? And that's why you just marvel at people like Roger Federer, who, I mean, gosh, you know something? I think that guy just loves tennis. Like, you know, like, but, you know, and, and you can hear people saying, oh, I wish that person would re- retire now because I don't want to see them, you know, right? That's expert, right? And in some ways that's sad, like, because I, I think it's wonderful when people just keep playing because it's not the winning or the losing. I, I just love this sport, right? And I just want to have fun. It's when people have expectations that becomes heavy. You get yourself in a dark place. And sometimes it can be really difficult to get out of there. It is life skills, isn't it? Right. Because it's the same thing, you know, with business, right? If you, you, you can, you know, instead of enjoying the journey, sometimes if you're so focused on a result and my own experience, maybe that's a, a revenue target and you're not hitting it and you're not appreciating all the things that are happening because you missed this, you know, goal you set probably because the process isn't strong, right? Like I haven't set it up. Anyways, I'm just thinking all the application to life in general. But let me just jump in there because I think you make a great point because you see what happens is when something's a threat, like, gosh, we got to make this, uh, we got to bring in this certain amount of income. We got to do this, right? And if we don't, we're in trouble, right? So now the, there's a threat in place here. Now, some, like, so now you're stressed, you start cutting corners, you're not as productive as you need to be. And guess what? You don't reach a target. On the other hand, you're stressed and you cut corners and you do all that and you reach your target, okay? But it's not joy you feel, it's relief. It's relief that nothing bad 
happened here, right? Which is sad as well. Like you play sport and when good things happen, all you feel is relief. And they're out on the ice and I didn't make a mistake. Oh, thank goodness. Right? Which is a sad way to live, isn't it? You know, if you think about it, you just go through life feeling relief because you don't screw up. Have you ever uh, not worked with someone because, you know, they didn't ha have the humility that you'd need them to have to um, benefit from the work? I think it happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens for sure. Like, like let me give you a simple little example. And they change. But let's take young players joining a sport like, you know, young players to the to the Major League Baseball or basketball or hockey, okay? So I'm a really talented player. I've been drafted high. I, I know I'm pretty talented, right? In fact, I am so good that I don't need to get a good night's sleep. Like, I can eat pizza and drink beer and still play great. Sidney Crosby can't, but I can, right? And and there's a bit of a learning curve, right? Like, and some players learn it, and then some players don't. And part of the reason why they don't learn it is, well, the coach didn't like me. I, I wasn't given a chance, right? I didn't get the lucky break. And so one of the things that we try to do with the humility part is develop an internal locus of control. So, in other words, you have influence over the outcome. You're not a victim here. You're, it's not by chance, right? So, you know, for young hockey players, who's responsible for your ice time? Well, you are, right? Not the coach, right? You do this, 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 and this. Eat this, this, and this. Train like this. You'll get what you deserve. If you don't, then you'll get what you deserve. But then some people will turn around and blame the coach, you know, like, well, or I didn't do well on the exam. Well, why didn't you do well? Well, this guy, Scott, was teaching the class. He's got this funny accent. He speaks too quickly. And I didn't take down the good notes. The fact that they never came to class, right? Or the fact that, right, um, they didn't study for the exam, but somehow it's my fault. And so, I think to succeed, uh, most of those players learn that, hey, wait a minute, I got to take responsibility here and I'm accountable and I got to develop self-discipline. But sadly, some people will not learn that, let me, that life lesson. And I mean, I, mean, I mean, the reason I don't play in the National Hockey League, and seriously, and I'm being serious now, the reason that Wayne Gretzky is recognized as the best player in the world and not me. It's my parents' fault. I mean, seriously, I was born in Ireland. There wasn't an ice rink in the whole of Ireland. What chance did I have? It was their fault that I'm not the world's greatest hockey player. It's all their fault, right? And that sometimes happens where people will just not take responsibility and learn what they need to learn. <laughs> now I see why you have been I'm trying to, I just like I love I love listening to you. I could listen to you forever. And now I know while you were voted one of the most popular professors at UMB and I think that even McLean's magazine you won yeah either professor of what what was it that you won? Well they did a, a McLean's 
do a thing on universities and they highlight popular uh, popular professors. And then the Global Mail did a thing on, on, on professors, supposedly, not much in my case, but the other ones had, had applied outstanding professors, right? I mean, uh, but they, the other professors were all outstanding. For me, it cost me 50 bucks to get that uh, article. I had to pay for people to say nice things about me. So I wouldn't read too much into what other people say about me. It cost me a lot of money. I doubt that. Pay nice things. Well, you know what? Something you both um, have in common is speaking. And Emily is starting to step into that speaking circuit a little more intentionally. Would that be fair to say, Emily? Yeah. Yeah. Doing, doing it more now. Yes. Yep. And Scotty speaks and both of you would like to help promote getting more opportunities to speak to the crowds you want. It's, I think a lot of times good speaking and is around good storytelling. Right. And clearly Scotty, you love storytelling. Yes. But, but let me come back to something else. I think Emily's got a tremendous advantage over me and I'm being serious now, believe it or not. I talk a good game. I haven't done it, right? Like, I mean, like I'm an academic. I mean, I would never give up my job here at the University of New Brunswick. I love teaching, love doing research. I love, right? So when I stand up and speak, right, I'm saying, I know somebody who did this and it worked for them. Whereas the person who's actually been out in the arena, the person who's actually been there and done it and has been to the greatest heights and the lowest of despair, right? I can only go, well, wow, that must have been really tough for you. Whereas that person can really, right? So I think it's wonderful that people who've been there and done that and now share those lessons with others, I think, I mean, I think they've got a, an amazing message. Yeah, I'm a storyteller, but this, the, but I don't have what she has, like, which is, and and I say that hopefully with great humility and respect, because, I mean, I meet people who say, well, I met this fellow one time. He goes, well, I, I only played one game in the National Hockey League. I played one game. And I'm looking at him going, oh, my gosh, that is so amazing, right? Because I play old-timers, and I only get to play when some guys don't turn up. I'm that bad. And you were in the show. She's been in the show. She's been there, done that. The result doesn't matter. She's been there. And so I think I storytell, but she comes from a more life experience thing. I don't know if you'd agree with me or not. I think that there's, um, yeah, there's different sides to both of it for sure. And I think that, you know, in for me being able to work with so many phenomenal psychologists and counselors, and everything is being able to then find the words to how it is that I am feeling in the moment and then be able to share it. And it's interesting, Dave, that you brought up the public speaking because, Scotty, when you mentioned the feeling of relief when it is over, I thought of this morning, just this morning, I'm getting ready for um, a fairly big presentation very soon. And just this morning, I thought, Oh, I can't wait till this is over. 
And even just that for me, what is that about? And why am I choosing to see it that way instead of choosing to see it as an opportunity, which I've been really trying to do. But what part of me, even in the story that I'm telling myself about it is looking at it, that it's going to be a relief as if there's some way that I'm going to fail or not when it's not, I'm going up and just being me and speaking. And so, yeah, that was kind of a like, poof, that hit me in the face and I needed to hear that. Yeah. One well, one of the things that works for me, I mean, I, I'm very lucky. I mean, I, I keep portraying this, but it, sometimes it's absolutely wonderful to be Irish. Because at least in my experience, you know, you don't hear people saying, gosh, the Irish are so smart. I mean, you, I was not, right? I don't know if you can see, the, I have a little thing here on my wall, like the, uh, a, a coach of mine said many years ago, and I, I don't know where he got it from, and I think he, other people have copied it, or maybe he copied it from somebody else, but he said this in the newspaper, where you can read it, it says, I, I played a lot of rugby, and it says, Dave Scott doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. Of course, if you look at his grades, you realize that he doesn't know the meaning of a lot of words, right? So... <laughs> So when I come to public speak, like, I just tell people, like, I'm Irish, right? So set the bar extremely low. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if I can actually string a sentence together here, you can consider it a success. But what I'm what I'm saying is I understand what you're getting at. Like, it's, for me, I have a lot of fun when I speak, right? And uh, I make mistakes all over the place, right? But I'm Irish. You know, it's part of the. Trailer. I just need to work on my Irish accent. Yeah, but you see, you're different because I look at you and I go, I don't know. You see, Dave, when I when I look at, it, I go, no, there's somebody I'm going to learn from. There's, here's going to be a really insightful person. I'm going to take lots of notes. Nobody ever takes a note when I speak because I don't say anything insightful. I just, I totally disagree. <laughs> I've talked to you a few times and I take stuff away, and uh, and you know that for sure. And Emily's taking something away from the conversation today, which is really cool. And I've got notes, and I've got notes, and they're nice. for myself. Yeah, she's, she was taking notes. Well done. But before we go there, I just like so someone wants to to talk to you and and hire you, Scotty. What's the best way for them to connect with you? I'm a very simple person to get a hold of, right? Because I'm going to show you something that you probably have never seen before. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you know what this is? Oh, flip phone, Motorola. <laughs> That's what I use. So I'm a very simple person. It's email. Yeah. Scotty, S-C-O-T-T-Y, at unb.ca, right? Uh, please don't ask me what Twitter is or... <laughs> What's what's up or what whatever that right? What's up? Yeah, I try to, but but I do that deliberately in a way because for me, sport is simple. It's coaches, sports psychologists, your brain that makes it complicated, and so I actually try to live what I preach. I try to keep my life simple. Right, I have a phone, a flip up phone because I want to make phone calls. I have a computer that does other things. I try to keep life simple. So the easiest way to get a hold of me, old-fashioned email, scotty at umb.ca. Uh, I will get back to you right away. Even how you say your email address, like I went through a, a speaker's course and they talk about, you know, chunking stuff up so people can actually retain it. Anyways, you did that brilliantly. They would be this Vox speaker training. They would be so impressed. So let's, we, we do, Scotty, we do takeaways at the end. Emily's got notes. You're going to go first? 
Oh, I can go. Yeah. I'm kind of like stumped. I feel, yeah, I don't even know what I feel right now. There's a lot of like a lot of, a lot of processing happening here. I think just going back to that, just that importance of, and I mean, it's something that I try and live out every single day. It is like, what are those things that make athletes good athletes? And then how can we then apply them to every single thing that we are doing in life? And like, for me, it was like, you know, my favorite time in a race or my favorite time in an ultra marathon is like six and a half hours in when the going is tough. Like for me, I'm like, that is where the race starts because I get to tap into fully of what is up here. And so even now, like in my business life and um, with other things that I'm pursuing, it is like that, like, yeah, when the going gets tough of it's like, no, Emily, that's actually, you're kind of, that's where you thrive in. That's where you want to be. So be more okay with it and see it more as an opportunity. No, I think that's good advice. Wow. My takeaway, Scotty, would be, I just, I just love the, the idea of humility and how it plays out and the importance of it at any stage of your life. And any, when you see someone who's achieved really great things and, and still has a level of humility, it's just such a impressive characteristic, I think, uh, or for me, you know, and, it, and I, I, you know, I, and I won't, we don't have time for it now, but I, I just remember when I was a kid or, or I guess, you know, kind of late teens meeting Lanny McDonald after he spoke at a, at an event, special Olympics event, he came down and sat down and bought me and my buddy a beer and said, how are you guys? And his humility was just like, he was more interested in us. You know what I mean? It was just, it was quite shocking. Um, and it's just, and it's, you know, 30 years later, I still remember that it was humility and it's just so brilliant. So, um, so people know how to get a hold of you. Um, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, um, that you'll, you'll continue to agree to, for us to collaborate, Scotty, because I, I I think your stories need to be heard by more people. And I'm hoping I can, Envision Coaching can support that in some way. I'm really glad you and Emily connected. And yes. um, Emily's going to give us a, what is it called? A extra or? A- yeah, a little extra. Yeah. Dr. David Scott, thank you. This was, uh, this was a real treat to have you on here. <laughs> And so we will list all of David Scott's information, including just that email address. <laughs> Not the flip phone. <laughs> he didn't even give us the flip phone phone number. I know. I thought he was going to give us your phone number. I was like, wow, that's 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 dedication. <laughs> yeah, but I'd have to remember the number before I could give it to you. This is great about those smartphones is they got them all in there. <laughs> well, we're going to leave his email address in the show notes. And the best place to find the show notes is on our website, boilingpointpodcast.com. We, not Dr. David Scott, are active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And we will put this video version of the podcast on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, our podcasts are all available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. There we go. Bye, everybody. There you have it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Talk soon. Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. 
Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.